Sidebar every Monday to Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. It is uh, two minutes after seven. You're listening to Kaya FM 95.9. This is the home of the Afropolitan and you're listening to Sidebar with Dr. Cindy Van Sale. My name is uh, Soto Mayer, still standing in for the good doctor who is still a bit under the weather and uh, hopefully she'll be with us uh, sooner rather than later. So what are we talking about this evening? We are talking about getting second opinions. And of course we are talking in terms of uh, medical second opinions. If maybe you've ever thought that maybe should have, might have gotten a a second opinion, you're not exactly sure what the doctor is saying, you want to get another opinion, then this is definitely the show for you. If you would like to participate, the number to dial is 0860000959. Remember, you can also drop us an SMS 36959 and use the hashtag with Cindy for the conversation we are having this evening. Because a conversation a day is exactly what the doctor ordered. Sidebar with Cindy every Monday to Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. It is now three minutes after seven. And like I said, you're listening to the home of the Afropolitan. You're listening to Kaya FM 95.9. And this is Sidebar, normally with Dr. Cindy Van Sale. But today you are with me, Sotomea, who is standing in for Dr. Cindy. And uh, like I said a little earlier on, that we're talking about um, medical second opinions. And this is a very important issue because I think, and I'm speaking for myself here, not many people actually get medical second opinions. Um, sometimes you take things at face value that the doctor says, especially because doctors have got such a, um, a lot of authority for, for, for many people. And uh, a couple of months down the line, you find out that mm, things might not be, um, you know, as they seemed. So we are joined now on the line by Dr. Peter Bond. He is the Managing Director at Defined Medical Assessments. And he joins us just to chat to us about the importance of getting that second opinion if you feel like something is not quite right. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, a very good evening to you, um, Dr. Peter. Good evening. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Yes, it's such a pleasure to have you here, and especially talking about something as serious as getting um, that second opinion. Now, how how popular is it? Like, how common is it for people to actually get a second opinion? If we're talking about the South African scenario, I think it's um, it's not that common here because, as you mentioned earlier, people are quite shy. They have this great faith here in South Africa in their in their medical professional that's been looking after them usually for quite a few years, or that. A medical professional like their general practitioner who might refer them to a specialist of uh, that that they normally use. Mm-hmm. When you look at the international uh, statistics, particularly in the United States and I think in Europe as well, you find that second opinions are quite common. Okay, so it's just here yeah, that maybe we're just a little bit shy about getting second opinions. Yeah, I, I think we have this, I think the, the South African population has this feeling that they are going to send their treating doctor mm-hmm. if they ask for a second opinion. And it's something that I don't think they should be considering because it's their own health that they are actually uh, referring to here. And it's something that I believe personally is quite important because when it comes to the management of medical conditions, one of the things that you would really like to be absolutely certain about just from the peace of mind point of view, is that first of all, your diagnosis is correct. And secondly, that the treatment that you've been prescribed is, uh, is the correct treatment. 
And under what circumstances? Because I can imagine that, you know, you don't just get a second opinion for every single little thing. But under what circumstances would a person say, you know what, actually, I think I need to go get a second opinion. I need to find out if this is truly what is going on with me. I think I think you can put it into a couple of categories. I think primarily cancer is one of the conditions where second opinions are are, are, are most important, particularly because the treatment of cancer these days is changing literally on a daily basis. There are newer and newer therapies that are that are being made available, and I think from a peace of mind point of view, to know that the treatment that has been prescribed for cancer is something that uh, can be sort of confirmed with a second opinion. Secondly, if surgery is part of the treatment that's prescribed, um, there are many conditions where it's maybe not necessary to actually go under the knife, but surgery is the first option that is being given to you. Maybe getting a second opinion in that case is uh, will give you more peace of mind. And I think if you look at the statistics from a lot of the second opinion organizations around the world, you'll see that it's quite a high percentage. Some times up to 20% of cases uh, where surgery was recommended in the primary uh, course of treatment, that in fact surgery has been avoided. The third place would be maybe a child with a rare condition or even an adult with a rare condition where there are very few centers of excellence with regard to, to those particular conditions. And maybe it's a very good idea to, to approach those organizations that look or those centers that look after those particular conditions, those rare disorders. And then the fourth... Yes, I'm listening, Doctor, yes. The fourth uh, group is where you're totally confused about what, in fact, has been told to you. And I think when it comes to a significant diagnosis like cancer, people often go into a type of blank zone and they don't necessarily hear all the details that have, uh, that have been given, so they become quite uh, confused about what the the treatment is going to be, what the diagnosis actually is, and what the outcomes are going to be. And I think in that situation, it's quite good to get a second opinion because it will clarify things. Usually when you get a second opinion, you get a multidisciplinary team that, uh, that will advise you about all the different options that, uh, that are available. Okay, if you're just joining us, it is uh, eight minutes after seven. You are listening to Kaya FM 95.9. You're listening to Sidebar, normally with Dr. Cindy Van Sale, but my name is uh, Sotomayor and I'm standing in for Dr. Cindy and we're talking about getting second opinions, um, medical second opinions. And for a lot of people, it's usually very difficult um, to get a second opinion, especially, you know, sometimes you, you, you trust your doctor, you fully trust your doctor and you believe that what they're saying is right. But other times, there are times that you might feel that, you know, you're not quite certain, you feel like there might be a little bit more or you just want somebody else to verify what your doctor is uh, talking about if you would like to add in on the conversation maybe you'd have a, a situation a medical situation and you just want to find out whether or not you should get a second opinion the number to dial is 0860000959 and of course you can always uh, send us an sms 36959 as well um now dr peter bond um i mean we're talking about obviously in in many instances cancer as well where people might go and get a second opinion but i also know, I mean, I know of a personal story, well, not a personal story, but I know somebody that was in a situation where they were um, pregnant and at the time they said that the baby would not make it and uh, it was uh, it was advisable that the, 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 the pregnancy be terminated. 
and that person chose to get a second opinion only to find out that you know the baby was fine it was born and it was fine so i mean what happens if there are varying outcomes so from your original doctor to um the second opinion what then well i think you've got to take the advice from both uh, uh physicians and 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 decide there is the option of getting a third opinion um i think that does happen sometimes where there's complete uh uh, difference of opinion with regard to the diagnosis and the treatment. I think that is uh, uh, that is an option that's available. Um, I think particularly as well where somebody has been treated for a, a fairly long time because of a diagnosis that has been made and a particular treatment that has been prescribed, which and the the individual is actually not improving or not getting better. In that case as well, I think you should ask for a second opinion or even a third opinion. But we find that. The further you go down the line, there are diminishing returns. So probably stop at the third opinion. Um, and that's how I would deal with two completely uh, different opinions. I would get somebody else to have a look at it as well. Mm-hmm. And misdiagnosis, it does happen, right? I mean, it's not something yeah. that is completely uncommon. It does happen. Yeah, it does. You know, the thing is, we we, we have this great reliance. And I mean, we have wonderful medical practitioners in South Africa. We have wonderful diagnosticians, amazing radiologists. But, you know, when you're looking at a, a picture that is uh, either a CT scan or an MRI scan or a chest X-ray mm-hmm. with an abnormality in it, uh, I think there's statistics that uh, show that when that same, that same plate or that same image is shown to the same doctor three or four weeks later, in about 10 to 15% of the cases, they could actually come up with a, with a different diagnosis. So mm-hmm. it's it's not as black and white as people think. Medicine, medicine there's lots of gray zones in medicine, and one needs to be 100% sure uh, that what you're dealing with and what you've diagnosed is the correct thing, and it's in the gray zone areas in particular where the second and sometimes third opinion is, uh, is really relevant. So then can you get a second opinion with the same doctor? So you, you're talking about you're looking at a CT scan a couple of days and then you wait a little bit and it might look completely different. So can you say to your doctor, look, I mean, we're looking at this right now. Can I come back in a few weeks and see what has happened? Um, so can you get a second opinion from the same doctor or is yeah, it better can. to go? To- oh, yes, you can. You know, I mean, the, certainly the, uh, lots of medical conditions will either improve or deteriorate or remain the same over time. So. If it's not a particularly urgent uh, condition or that the, the individual is not in a, in a significantly sick state, you may want to wait, particularly with chest x-rays and things like that, you might want to wait a week or two weeks or even a month and mm-hmm. have a second uh, procedure done and to see in fact whether there's been progression or regression of the condition. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're just joining us, it is uh, 13 minutes after 7. You're listening to Kaya FM 95.9. You're listening to Sidebar. My name is Sotomayor and I'm standing in for Dr. Cindy Fonsell. I'm having a chat to Dr. Peter Bond, who is the Managing Director at Defined Medical Assessments. And we are talking about getting uh, medical second opinions and how important it is. And uh, like I said earlier on, you're more than welcome to join in on the conversation if you want to ask. Um, maybe you feel like you should have sought a second opinion and you didn't or, you know, you want to seek a second opinion and you are not sure the number to dial is 0860000959 remember you can also sms us 36959 at a cost of one rand fifty uh now dr peter if you go and you get what if what happens in the aftermath so say you didn't get a second opinion 
and you carry on with whatever medical procedure it is that you had to carry on with and you realize later that I should have probably sought um, second opinion. I mean, are there any repercussions? I mean, what happens? Obviously, we're not advocating for, for doctors to be sued and that kind of, you know what I mean? But w- what happens in that situation where you look back and, you know, this shouldn't have been treated the way that it was? So I think that's, uh, that's quite a difficult uh, subject because that's quite a sensitive subject because mm. I don't think doctors uh, maliciously do that in almost 100% of cases. I think they are practicing to the best of their ability and to mm. the best of their knowledge at the time. So the advice that they're giving you, I think, is what they really genuinely think is the correct advice for that uh, for that particular condition, and the diagnosis was correct. So uh, mistakes are made. Um, I, I think if there's obviously deliberate negligence, which is, is, is very rare, mm-hmm. um, that then there is a, a course of action that one could take for that. But sometimes errors are made, and that's very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And can your doctor get a second opinion? Because I mean, I remember when I was um, pregnant with my first and I had all sorts of complications and my doctor actually went and got a colleague of his to come and look at this and verify whether or not they're seeing the same thing. So can your doctor actually you know, invite someone to come in and, and, and have a look and, and, and get a second opinion? Absolutely. And it's actually very common practice. I mean, I see it almost on a daily basis where um, one looks at specific um, special investigation report. And very often the comment, is, the comment is, have checked this with Professor Sonfa at such a university or have sent the slide to see the Sinai in the United States, which might be the center of excellence for a particular type of condition and the pathologists there are top of their game with regard to that condition. So I see that almost on a daily basis where mm-hmm. there's, there's inter-doctor referral and second opinion and a, a lot of the time in the where there's where there is a, a certain amount of uncertainty and this is particularly I'm, I'm sorry I'm referring to the cancers mm-hmm, because no, they're the funny. ones that are, are the most emotional mm. there's very often differences of opinion with regard to the histological which means diagnosis which means when they look at it under a microscope and they see what type of cells it is because with the modern treatment protocols it's quite critical to actually identify the subset of cancer that that uh, this particular individual or cancer that this individual might have because the treatment can be absolutely specific and you diagnose the wrong one, you give the wrong treatment, the outcome will obviously not be as good as it might have been should the correct treatment have been given. So those doctors who are involved in that type of care, the oncologist in particular, and the, the histopathologist will very often get second and sometimes even third and sometimes even a group opinion as to what the uh, what the diagnosis is and what the treatment should be. Mm-hmm. And in your, I mean, you are with uh, defined medical assessments. How often do you yeah. see um, um, uh, second opinions? How often do you see second opinions actually going um, completely awry where it's just no one can figure it out or, or the, the, the opinions are so varied um, that we have to start again? We don't see it, we don't see it that often. I must be honest here. We don't see the variance of opinion being that far apart that, uh, that it, it, it comes to nothing. Um, I think we have a, an outstanding pool of uh, physicians in this country, and I think we sometimes don't recognize how capable they are in comparison to, to the rest of the world. So we don't see it that often that, uh, that there's a, a negative result at the end of, uh, of all these opinions. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't happen very, very often. It doesn't happen very frequently at all, no. 
Mm-hmm. And what does um, Defined Medical Assessments do? We are basically a company that assesses health risk for prospective insurance clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do the examinations on behalf of various companies who request uh, uh, an understanding of the health status of the applicant who wants to become a client of it. So we do all the medical assessments of that. Ah, okay, okay. Well, you know, so I mean, it's really great to hear from you, and it's actually it's very comforting to hear that you know in South Africa we don't have that many cases where the opinions are so different and so varied that the patient is left with nothing but just a third opinion, or you're not sure which opinion to choose. Um, yeah. but I suppose I mean the takeaway from this it's very important, especially if you feel it, if you as the patient, because you are probably your biggest advocate, if you feel as if something is not right, I might need to get another opinion. It's very important to act on that yeah and i don't think one should be shy or reticent about asking for that opinion because you're not really that you're not you're not going to you should not be offending any medical practitioner Mm -hmm. uh, by asking for that and the reason i'm quite uh, i think i'm a patient advocate here with regard to or an activist should i say with regard to second opinion because at the end of the day, it's very nice to have a treatment program and a diagnosis program laid out for one. But there's a component of, of recovery that is very hard to measure. And that's the psychological and the mental state of that individual. Mm-hmm. And if they're very uncomfortable and very negative right at the start about the course that their condition is going to take and the type of treatment that they're going to have, that's going to have a potentially negative outcome. So the more positive they are, my belief that and the more accepting they are that what they're doing is correct, the far greater the potential for a positive outcome. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, um, Dr. Peter Bond. And uh, thank you so much for giving us, you know, just uh, just walking us through what it means to get a second opinion. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. Um, so if you're just joining us, uh, 20 minutes after seven, you just missed out on a conversation that we had with Dr. Peter Bond, who is the managing director at Defined Medical Assessment. And of course, we were talking about getting medical second opinions um, and how important it is to get a medical second opinion. I mean, there's a lot of people we've got who have like some horrific stories about um, not getting a second opinion or what they heard with the second opinion. If you would like to be part of this conversation, if you also feel like, you know, maybe you might have needed a second opinion or you are one of those people who just felt it just felt it in your soul um that you need to get an opinion then maybe you can share your story with us you can give us a call on 86 we're going to take a short break when we come back we're still talking about uh, medical second opinions and uh we're going to have uh denise williams and she's going to be chatting to us about being a breast cancer survivor and uh what it meant for her to get a second opinion Sidebar every Monday to Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. It is now 23 minutes after 7. You are, of course, listening to the home of the Afropolitan. You're listening to Sidebar with uh, Dr. Cindy Fansale. My name is uh, Sotumea. And we are talking about uh, second opinions, second medical opinions. And uh, earlier on, I was having a chat to Dr. Peter Bond, who's the managing director at Defined Medical Assessments. Um, I was a bit, uh, you know, overzealous and I let him go. And then you guys just started calling, uh, wanting to talk to um, a doctor uh, and ask him some opinions about what he thinks. Uh, so, Dr. Peter, thank you so much for getting back, uh, just being with us on the line. 
Okay, I'm back. Thank you. Yes, yes, because, uh, you know, just after, you know, I let you go, people started calling in and wanting to chat okay. to you, wanting to find out whether or not they should get a, a second opinion. Um, I've got a call here coming in uh, from Ngamisile. Am I pronouncing correct, correctly? Yes, um, that's my name. Hi, how are you, Ngamisile? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thank you. The doctor's listening. Okay, so I just wanted to find out. I have had this... Um, my feet have been swelling for years now, and whenever I go to doctors and ask what's the problem, they always seem to not know what's going on. I remember they had to check my heart, my lungs, because someone told me that it could be related to any of those things or the livers and whatnot. But then also, I am a nail technician. I also realize that when I'm working, I sit a lot. So I don't know if it's water retention. I do go to gym and stuff. But whenever it's really, really hot outside, like my feet swell a lot. And I'm only like less than 35 years old. I'm 28 this mm-hmm. year. So I'm, I'm just stressing about them. It was first the left, um, left foot. Then I went to the right. Sometimes it's just both of them. Around the ankles, that's where um, they actually swell. But then now this pain gets worse that it goes all the way up my legs up to the knee mm-hmm. and towards the thighs. And I just want to know, like, what, what can cause that? Because no one seems to... To know, yeah. Um, so, Dr. Peter, here's somebody that's been to the doctors and it, that, she's not getting any responses. Yeah, um, it's, it's unnecessary, is it? It's Namisili, yes. Namisili, Namisili, hi. Um, the question, the first question that I'd like to ask you is, is have you been to general practitioners? Have they referred you on for any special type of examination or investigation? Okay. Or are these different general practitioners that you've been to? Okay, Namisili, did you get yes. that? Mm. Yes, so I've been to general practitioners. They, they're the ones that actually, I've been to a doctor, then I was been to the practitioners to do all the tests. Like I said, um, one doctor suggested that they check my kidneys, if they're working properly, the, what my heart, and he mentioned like a few things and I got all of that tested. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know what the problem was. The results came out okay. So, but all of these were GPs? Yes. Okay, so doctor, all of them were GPs. Yeah, so I would suggest that you ask one of your GPs to refer you to a specialist physician who deals with literally the whole body and ask them to refer you so that you can get, that would be a second opinion uh, from a specialist physician who might be able to offer you uh, a solution to what, what in fact is going on. Um, it's, uh, it's very difficult for me to say on the phone, what you might, on the air, what you might have. Um, without examining you and seeing you and looking at all your results. So mm-hmm. that would be my suggestion. I would go and get a second opinion from a specialist physician, get a referral from your general practitioner who packs in all the test results that they have done and then get an appointment with the specialist. And if she can't get um, a, a referral from a GP, can she go on, on, on online and find a specialist physician or you know, how does she go about it if she has to do it herself? I think she can. It again, it depends on how is this going to be funded. Is a medical aid funding? I think certain medical aids might require a general practitioner referral. Uh, some don't. Uh, again, uh, it depends on which one she's on. If she is on one, if not, she can go. If she's not on a medical aid, she can do it herself. Go online and make an appointment to go and see a specialist. 
Okay, I'm you got there. I need to go and see a, a specialist physician, um, somebody that can check the entire body and see what is what might be happening. All right, I'll do that. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. And you're also more than welcome to give us a call if you'd like to um, ask the doctor any questions. Uh, maybe you are also looking at getting another opinion or maybe you feel like you haven't received any help. You've been just about everywhere and you just haven't received the help that you are looking for. The number to dial is 86 And do remember that you can send us an SMS at 36959 at a cost of 150. And on the line, we are joined by um, Denise Williams who is a business owner and she is also a breast cancer survivor. Thank you so much for joining us, Denise. A pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Yes. So for you, um, Denise, what did a second opinion mean for you? What did a second opinion do for you? Okay. Um, My story of a second opinion is actually twofold in my experience with the breast cancer Mm -hmm. in that um, my daughter uh, could not fall pregnant and she had um, five IVF treatments. After three IVF treatments, uh, they were told that they would never be able to, my son-in-law was told that he would never be able to father a child. And um, they were not happy with that opinion. So they went for a second opinion. And after two attempts with the second doctor, they became parents of a wonderful little girl. Um, This little girl was born on the 8th of August, 2016. Mm -hmm. I was an an absolute high. I was a first um, grandmother. Mm. And um, uh, two days afterwards, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I went from the absolute highest that I've ever been in life to the lowest that I've ever been in life. Um, when my doctor told me that the results had come back and that was positive, I was HER2 positive breast cancer, I was absolutely shattered. I cried and cried. I broke down in my doctor's rooms and then I pulled myself together and decided, well, now I'm going to fight this. It's not going to beat me. I'm going to see my grandchild turn 21. Mm -hmm. So I went um, to an oncologist and um, he said that I had to have a mastectomy that the um, size of the tumor was quite large in my breast and that the best thing would be to have a mastectomy. I just had a gut feel that I didn't feel happy with this opinion. So I wanted, I had been referred to a lady oncologist and Mm -hmm. I tried to make an appointment to see her, but she couldn't see me for the next three months. She was so busy. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to get it attended to straight away. So I went to another oncologist for a second opinion and she also agreed that I should have the mastectomy and have the breast removed and Mm -hmm. then do the whole chemo treatment. And still my gut feel still told me with the second opinion it wasn't, I, I just didn't feel right. Had I gone to the lady oncologist, which should have been my second opinion, I would have had my answers. Mm-hmm. I went to a third oncologist who again confirmed that um, mastectomy. So I thought, well, now this is three people that have told me I have to have the mastectomy, so I have to do it. I was booked to have my surgery on a Friday of uh, a Friday. The Thursday afternoon prior to my surgery, I was phoned by this lady oncologist and she said she had a cancellation. She could see me straight away. Mm-hmm. I went to see her and I told her I was having a mastectomy the next day. And she said, cancel. She said, don't do it. Mm-hmm. And I said, what? 
And she said, don't do it. She says, we'll do the chemo first. We'll shrink the whole tumor. We'll then do a lumpectomy, which is far less invasive surgery. We then do a um, fat transfer from the stomach into the breast where we've cut the lump out. And um, we're going to do that. Much easier way to go. We do the radiation. Um, she also gave me the option of not having the full dose of chemo once every three weeks and rather to break it up into a third every week. Mm -hmm. So I had that option, which I hadn't been given before. So I, I, I hate to say this, but I was actually quite excited about the whole thing. And I was um, really quite keen to go ahead with her. And I said to her, fine. And I phoned and I canceled my surgery for the next day. That oncologist wasn't too happy. He had booked the anesthetist, the theater, everything. Mm -hmm. And I just told him I've had a change of heart and I really have to go with it. Um, and I went with that oncologist and really it was the best decision I ever, ever made. Mm -hmm. And um, I sailed through it. And one of my other options that I also explored um, was the cannabis route. Yeah. And I had spoken to a lot of people and I'd actually spoken to a lady that had stage four colon cancer mm -hmm. and that she had decided to go purely the cannabis route and not the medical route. But I was too scared not to go the medical mm -hmm. and take yeah. myself out of uh, medical hands. So I spoke to my oncologist and I said to her, can I do the cannabis route with the, um, uh, with the chemo? Mm. And she said, yes, and I did. I did both. And honestly, um, really, really, people, when I used to sit, there were 12 of us that were doing the chemo at the same mm. time. And out of the 12, I was only one doing the cannabis with my chemo. And I was really had such a sense of well-being. The only side effect that I had from everything was the loss of my hair. I had no nausea, no sleepless nights, no pain, absolutely nothing. Sure. So there are lots of options to explore before you just decide to go along with the first to go along. option. Mm -hmm. Well, Denise, please stay with us on the line. We're going to take some more callers. Um, lots of questions for you as well as uh, Dr. Peter Bond, who's on the line. I'm going to take a call from Dineo. Dineo, thank you so much for joining us. Good evening. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. And you, do you know? I'm good, thank you. Mm. Yeah, I also have a story to share with you about the importance of uh, going for second opinion. I have a very close uh, family uh, member of mine who was suffering from vascular, who actually is suffering from a vascular disease, peripheral mm. vascular disease. And uh, she was seeing this uh, vascular surgeon uh, for treatment and uh, did about two bypass surgeries because um, from time to time, you know, she had a thrombosis. And uh, eventually when we got for the third time, uh, they did a Doppler and uh, the doctor said, well, there's another clot mm -hmm. on, the, on, on the leg. And, uh, and the doctor said, this is the vascular surgeon. He said, well, there's nothing I can do anymore. I've done two surgeries uh, already and bypass surgeries and... Uh, I can't do anymore. So the next thing that needs to happen is uh, for the patient to have amputation. Mm. Because at the time, before even the amputation, you know, um, she had gangrene on the, on mm. the, on the toes mm -hmm. and a necrotic uh, heel. Yeah. And uh, she's had her toes uh, amputated. But uh, when, she, when he said now the, 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 she, he has to amputate. The so entire said, leg, yeah. Yeah, the entire leg, and we felt we can't. Mm. We uh, we went out of the room crying. We were in tears because we're talking of a patient who is seventy-five years of age, who is 
possibly going to lose her leg mm-hmm. and obviously losing her mobility as well. Mm-hmm. And um, but anyway, we got we went to this uh, special wound specialist sister who did another Doppler. This wound care sister said, um, "You know what? Go for second opinion. Mm-hmm. Maybe this leg could be saved." There's another surgeon that I know in in Pretoria. Um, mind you, we are in Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. So she, she recommended a, a doctor in Pretoria. But uh, fast forward to that, we went to Pretoria and um, this doctor did, a, did some tests and she said to me, can I admit this patient? Mm-hmm. So she admitted the patient, uh, did some angiograms on her and she said, you know what, I can, we can do something here. Mm. I can save this leg. So the patient had another by, bypass uh, surgery. I don't know, took, took an artery or a vein from yeah. the left leg and put it on the right leg, uh, you know, for, for circulation because a poor vascular, you know, disease yeah. is basically a patient uh, not having sufficient blood supply to mm-hmm. the leg. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm talking of something that happened in 2014. So in 2014, this patient could have lost a leg. And because of going for second opinion in Pretoria, mm-hmm. her leg was saved. And I'm talking today, this patient still has both legs. And she's fine and she's living and she's, she's thriving. She's fine, yes. Look, she's got all so many other conditions. Mm-hmm. You know, she's suffering because she's 75. So she's got atherosclerosis, mm-hmm. she's got cholesterol, she's got hypertension. It's like nothing is going to fight. Yeah. yeah but, but the leg um, is fine. The leg is fine. She's on treatment, uh, altruxine. Um, somewhere along the line, she, she had a fall uh, and developed uh, epilepsy, mm-hmm. uh, but which is actually controlled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but... I, mm-hmm. Sorry, you were saying to know? Uh, yes, what I wanted to say is that um, I always am an advocate for, for second opinion. People must go for second opinion because you'll have things done to you that shouldn't have been done. Mm-hmm. Because the, the one doctor said you need to do it, and because as as patients, as people, we put our whole trust in in the doctor, mm-hmm. and you just let it let him do what 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 needs to be done. Because you but trust that the doctor's gone, right. Mm-hmm. Yes, we trust the doctor so much, and mm-hmm. with with little information mm-hmm. that we have, we we think, you know what, he knows best. So mm-hmm. who am I to question him? All right. Well, thank you very yeah. much for sharing your story, Janelle. Thank you very much for that. You're call. welcome, Peter Mayor. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Dr. Peter, it seems like, you know, it's a running theme. I mean, between what Dinewa said as well as what Denise was saying, it's the amputation. You know, when you get to a point where you're supposed to lose something, a part of you, and that's at that point that maybe you need to just take a step back and say, I'm going to get uh, another opinion here. I think you're right. I think the, uh, the, the two examples that we have now where there's, and the first one, disfiguring, mutilating surgery. And the second one, uh, losing a limb, uh, it, it, which will have such a significant impact on the quality of life of that individual. Mm-hmm. And uh, it worked out in both cases where there was less disfiguring surgery in the first. And the second case, the, the, the patient has both her limbs six, seven years later and is living a functional and healthy life. So, mm-hmm. well, not a healthy life, but sides of it, but a functional life mm-hmm. and is, is, is independent, which is, uh, which is really good to hear. And that's the value of the second opinion. Um, I think what happens, and I'm not speaking for all doctors here, but yeah. certainly when doctors have 
their way of doing things. I think they, they get set into a routine and it becomes their way of treating a particular condition. Mm-hmm. And yet, obviously, there's reviews around about uh, new ways of doing things. But sometimes when there's a radical departure from the standard, uh, which could have significant benefits with regard to mutilation or non-mutilation or function. And I'm, I'm thinking here specifically, for example, of prostate surgery for prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. You, in the old days, they did radiotherapy or they removed the prostate gland with, with surgery. Now they have these robots that do it. And the robots can operate more specifically than the human hand can do. So the outcomes from a, uh, the surgery point of view, the post-operative complications of, of sexual dysfunction and things like that are far less. So, yeah, there are many different options out there which need to be explored, particularly, as you said, when there are life-impactful mm-hmm. surgeries that have been prescribed. All right. Um, doctor, please do stay with us. When we come back, we're still okay. talking to Dr. Peter Bond as well as uh, Denise Williams. And she is a breast cancer survivor and she's sharing her story um, about the fact that, you know, just getting that second opinion um, is what really saved her and is now, you know, somebody that is a, that can safely say that they're a breast cancer survivor. If you are just joining us, it is uh, just after 20 minutes uh, to 8. You're listening to the home of the Afropolitan. This is Kaya FM 95.9. My name is Sotomayor standing in for Dr. Cindy Fancy. So we continue um, talking about uh, medical second opinions. Um, we're talking to Dr. Peter Bond. We're also talking to Denise Williams, who is a cancer survivor. And we've got a call here from Elmarie Samuel. Um, Elmarie, thank you so much for joining us. It's only a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Mm. So, Elmarie, we're talking about uh, medical second opinions, of course. How important is it? I mean, we've heard from different people that this is really important. Okay, so a little bit of context from my side. I work for a life insurance company here in South Africa. Um, it's called FMI. We're a division of the best. Now, in my personal experience, we've been going for about 25 years. And over that time, we've specialized in paying income protection benefits, mm-hmm. which is where we pay your salary if you can't work due to an injury or an illness. And about Six years ago, we conducted research with our clients to understand how we could add more um, value to the cover that they have with us. Mm-hmm. And we asked them the simple question, when you are diagnosed with a serious illness, what are your main concerns? What are your needs? And what do you actually need from your insurance? Mm-hmm. And the number one thing that came through uh, across the board was people spoke about the need for a second opinion. And what they said to us is that many of the clients actually turn to Dr. Google. I mean, how many of us have done it? Yeah, we have certain symptoms. Mm. (laughs) And the first place you look is on the internet, which can be absolutely horrific and horrifying. Um, So at that time, FMI realized that that was something we needed to look into. And we actually partnered with a company called Mediguide who are based in the U.S., but they are actually found across five different continents. They have provided the second opinion to over 10 million people worldwide. Um, So from our perspective, that is a service that we include free of any charge to our policyholders. Mm -hmm. So when you take out a life insurance policy with FMI, irrespective of whether it's income protection or life cover, it's a benefit that you get automatically included for free where you have access to the world's leading specialists 
to provide you with a medical second opinion should you need one. Okay, I'm going to go back to Denise Williams because she needed a, a second opinion. And, you know, I just wonder, after having having, having um, heard what Elmarie had to say, um, Denise, with all these opinions that you had to get, I'm sure it must have cost you a lot of money. And did you find yourself in a position where medical aid was no longer paying and it had to be out of pocket? Very, very fortunately for me, I am a... Um a FMI client. Ah, okay. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I had that peace of mind that they really, really looked after me. Okay, yes. so had it not been for that though, you would have been in a position where you had to pay for all the other opinions yes. that you had to get. Yes, yes. And you know, it, it's so overwhelming that you don't know which way to turn. And um, it, it, it was just a gut feeling that I felt that I needed to have more than the one opinion. And, um, yeah, very reassuring when I've got the opinion that I felt comfortable with. It's very important that you go with the person that you feel the most comfortable working. It's a journey you have to travel with your oncologist. Mm -hmm. So if you don't feel comfortable with your oncologist, you're going to have a problem. And, you know, a lot of it is positivity, mindset, all that type of thing. So you have to feel very comfortable with who you decide to go with. And if you don't feel comfortable right from the outset, get another opinion. And how many doctors did you end up seeing all in all? I I got four opinions and I went with the fourth person. Oh my goodness. Mm. By rights, it should have been the second person if she was able to see me. Mm -hmm. Because I went with one uh, for one opinion and then I tried to get the oncologist that I wanted to see, but she couldn't see me. So I went for two others. By the time I got the third opinion, I felt, well, now I must go. All three had given me the same opinion. And yet when I got to see the fourth one, she gave me a totally different opinion. A completely different opinion. Yeah. 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 And And I've saved the breast. And I'm very, very healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us. I mean, your story is very encouraging, um, Denise, because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are probably thinking that I got the second opinion, I got the third opinion, what more do I want? Like, um, yeah. everybody's saying the same thing, you know, but you've got to go with your gut feel. You know, if you feel like something is not quite right, um, okay. it's best to just keep on getting those opinions because you can't, you can't reverse it once you've had the surgery. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. Like, you, you, you can't reverse it. <laughs> it's done. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Well, thank you very much, Denise, and thank you very much for sharing your story with us. Pleasure. Mm. Thank you. So if you're just joining us, it is uh, 10 minutes to 8. You are listening to the home of the Afropolitan. It is Sidebar with Dr. Cindy Van Sale. My name is Sotomayor, and we are talking about medical second opinions. Still with us on the line is Dr. Peter Bond, um, and he's chatting to us basically about what it means to get second opinions. And we're also talking to Elmarie Samuel, and uh, she is from FMI, and obviously talking about uh, the importance of uh, second opinions as well, and what they afford their clients, they afford their clients the opportunity to be able to have that second opinion opinion um just in case you need it um you know because sometimes you do and Elmery, how, how how often do you find that people actually get a, a, a um a second opinion that differs from the first hi Elmery. oh sorry no no it's fine i was asking like how often is it that you find that people actually the, the opinion that they get is very is it doesn't it's not the same as the first oh. one or the third one and you know yes all right, so in Medigard's experience, if we just look at the cases that they dealt with in 2019, um, in terms of the actual diagnoses, 4% of the cases, they found the person had been misdiagnosed. But when you actually look at where the treatment plan differs, 
that's where the big difference comes in. So it's not necessarily people being uh, misdiagnosed. Like in Denise's story, she avoided surgery. So if we look at those stats, it's 14% of cases. The doctors have come back and surgery has been avoided. What's even bigger is that they found in their experience 77% of the time the treatment plan has changed. So that for me is the beauty of getting a medical second opinion. It doesn't only give you peace of mind around what you've been diagnosed with. They also consider those different treatment options. And like Dr. Bond was saying at the beginning, that's a really important factor because we've seen so many advances over the years and even on a regular basis. So it's important for doctors to stay abreast of those advances um, to make sure that they provide you with the right diagnosis and the right treatment plan. Mm -hmm. And what are some of the key pointers that you can share with our listeners when undergoing a medical second opinion? So here what I can do is just share my personal experience. Um, In my case, it wasn't a medical second opinion for myself, but rather for my son. So a little bit of uh, history is my son was born a little bit premature, but he seemed relatively healthy up until the age of six months. At six months, he suddenly got a temperature. Um, After days of speaking to his pediatrician, the pediatrician was saying to me, rest assured, it's probably just flu. Mm -hmm. Uh, To cut a long story short, we eventually ended up in hospital. He had blood tests done and they confirmed that he had a major infection. Mm. It took a week for us to get a diagnosis, um, which was actually urinary reflux. And by that time, they confirmed that he had actually suffered kidney damage Mm. as a result of the fact that this wasn't picked up early enough. Mm. So I can just speak from my perspective as a mother to say that I actually felt a huge amount of guilt um, for years because of the fact that my child was misdiagnosed and I didn't get a second opinion. Mm. So... I am also met by my client, and unfortunately, I had access to get a medical second opinion for my son a few years later when he was diagnosed with urinary reflux on the other side. Mm-hmm. So in our case, the, the service was just so quick. Um, with Mediguide, within 10 working days, you actually get a medical second opinion from world-leading specialists. So in our case, we were given a list of three hospitals who actually specialize in urinary conditions. Um, and in our case, we decided to go with the Greg Allman Street Children's Hospital mm-hmm. in London. And it was a decision that I made together with my specialist to get the second opinion. And just to speak to a point that Dr. Bond raised earlier on is that my doctor actually welcomed that second opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we don't think twice about shopping around when we buy expensive things like cars. Exactly. Um, So I think it's even more important that we take into account making sure that we've made the right decision about our health and then also our children's health. Mm -hmm. And why do you think you were so reluctant to get the second opinion um, the first time? Well, in my case, I think it stems from a personal relationship with my pediatrician. Mm-hmm. Um, Samuel was my second son, and my pediatrician had been amazing with my firstborn, and he had literally saved my firstborn's life. 
So I absolutely put my faith and my trust in him. Um, but this experience has just made me reconsider that a little bit. And I, I think I am a little bit more of a skeptic now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not saying that I don't trust any doctor, but I mean, if you've got access to get a second opinion, I would definitely encourage people to reach out and see what options are available before making any big decisions. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're just joining us, uh, almost six minutes uh, to eight o'clock, almost coming to the end of the show. Still having a chat to Dr. Peter Bond as well as Al Marie talking about medical second opinions. Um, Dr. Peter, I think, you know, it, it's it's much easier said than done to get a second opinion when you have the financial resources and you've got medical aid. But there's a lot of people that actually rely on the state um, for their medical care. And for those people, how do they get a second opinion? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question because I don't think with the resources that we have available in that sector mm. that one is really going to get uh, a second opinion within a reasonable amount of time. The waiting lists are enormous. Um, and if it's something that is a more urgent type of condition, for example, like uh, the cancer, breast cancer, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's going to be very difficult to get that without having the financial resources to go the private route. Um, I suppose you can ask at the uh, at the various clinics and at the various outpatient departments, but in my experience there, your chances are, are very limited. So. This is a great option if you can afford it, but very difficult if you if you cannot. Because mm, I can imagine, I mean, what happens? You just go to a different hospital and another hospital yeah. and another hospital hoping that, you know, you will come to some sort of um, conclusion as to what it is everybody said, put together yourself and then decide what everybody has said, which would be very difficult. Yeah, I would imagine the majority of people who are in the, the state hospital structure uh, don't even consider second opinions, I would imagine, because uh, it's taken them such a while to get to the point where they have, in fact, received a diagnosis and a treatment plan. To start all over again somewhere else, I think, is, mm-hmm. is, is, is they're going to be very reluctant to do that. Well, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Bond. Before we let you go, just your parting shot, your parting words in terms of um, second opinions. I think they are, if you have the means and if you have the resources available and it is something that is going to potentially have a significant impact on your on your well-being and your quality of life, I, I, or you're confused about the diagnosis, or you're confused about the treatment plan that has been offered to you, I think a second opinion is absolutely vital. Well, thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us, um, yes, Dr. Bond. Thank you very much. And this is like Thanks a proper goodbye now. <laughs> okay, no comebacks. Thank, <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And uh, Elmarie as well, just your parting shot in terms of, you know, the importance of having a plan that allows you to get a second opinion. Yeah, so from my side, I would just encourage people to, to look around at the options that are available Um, As I said, our medical second opinion is automatically included with our life benefits. Mm -hmm. So even if you take out life cover with a premium of 100 rand a month, this is a benefit that is automatically included and it can make a real difference to you and your dependents' lives. Mm -hmm. I would just encourage people to look at the options out there that are available. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Elmarie.
Thank you so much. Goodbye. Fine. Thank you. Goodbye. And we've come to the end of the show, which means that it is almost time um, for Kaya's Tolles to take over. Thank you so much for joining us. I will be back tomorrow. Same time, same place, right here on the home of the Afropolitan. From me, Sotomayor, it is goodbye. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.